Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Clerical Errors. <laughs> He's Berg. And I'm Bullhagen. <laughs> <laughs> let's try it again. All right, let's do this again. Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Hello from the lovely and spacious Talks and Tasting Studios. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Brig. Welcome to the show. And uh, I believe you brought a beverage for us today, Berg. I did. Um, rather than, uh, you know, since summer is kind of at an end, I decided to bring a beverage from the windswept coasts of Scotland. This is one of my favorites, and it's called Glen Farkless. Okay. So it's a Speyside. And uh, this is like... What does that mean? A space site is the region from where this scotch comes from. Okay. And so... Oh, well, you need to... Okay. <laughs> and so you should I'm be I'm guessing able that to... costs a little bit more than the beast. Just a little bit, actually. So, <laughs> see, you can be sophisticated and uh, drink affordably. <laughs> it is. It is possible. So, this is what I would call a gateway scotch. This is the way that you, uh, you know, uh, introduce people to this lovely, lovely liquid, which the Scotch, which, which the Scottish people call aqua vitae, the water of life. Okay. Well, not what was it that you called bush light last time? The alcoholic water. So it's kind of, kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> so you should be able to smell um, kind of a caramel apple, like a almost like a candy apple, like a ripe apple on the nose. Mm-hmm. So, all right. It's nice, smooth. Nice and nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. You guys can never have that good stuff when I'm around, huh? <laughs> Next time I know you're coming, Peter. All right, all right. I'll uh, I'll invest. <laughs> so, uh, Berg, what are you preaching on? Well, this next Sunday is what Trinity Fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. And we are. Uh, the text coming up for the gospel lesson is the parable of the leper. Well, not the parable. It actually happened, right? Yes, so, I, I would say yes. it happened. This is a this is a historical narrative, right? <laughs> that actually happened. Um, my mind's still on uh, other parables, so um, this is a historical narrative where Jesus heals ten lepers. Mm-hmm. So, Vicar, what do you know about leprosy? It's a a skin condition that would. Rend someone ritually unclean, according to the Levitical law in the Old Testament. So these uh, people would be ostracized from their community, cast out of the village walls into a, well, their own sort of community, but they were unable to um, be a part of normal society. Yeah, and leprosy was usually a, uh, a particular curse from God. So, for example, when Miriam and Aaron stand against Moses, Miriam is stricken with leprosy for seven days. Mm -hmm. Same thing with King Uzziah, who was the king um, who tried to burn incense in the temple. The priest told him no, he got mad, and then he broke out with leprosy. And it was the year in which he died that Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord and was called to the prophetic ministry. So not only did it have kind of a shame of fearful of people catching it and that kind of thing, but it also had a spiritual 
type shame with it as well. That yes, you were in effect excommunicated from God's church. Um, you were in a very bad place spiritually. Right. Okay. Um, and usually it was associated with greatly displeasing God. And so what do they do? They cry out, uh, Lord Jesus, help us, right? Have Je mercy on us. Right, have mercy on us. Kyrie eleison, which we, you know, sing every once in a while, right? Oh, you Kyrie eleison. Da, 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 da. No, I just heard that song on the radio for the first time, and I was like, oh, this is... <laughs> anyway, so Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Samaritan realizes... This is from Luke 17, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that. Luke 17, 11 through 19. We did not. So good, ca good call. Good call. And so the Samaritan is the one who realizes that um, they've been cleansed, and he is the only one who returns to glorify Jesus uh, and to acclaim him as God. And, and, uh, and uh, what, one thing I like about what Jesus says is this is the kind of thing we hear sometimes as pastors where he says, uh, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the other nine? Yeah. When you hear stories of, remember back in the day when... <laughs> Church was full and... Right. You know, we had eight in confirmation class and one of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes you get that, right? Um, the worst thing is, is that this is usually the text that is chosen for... Thanksgiving. Boo. Right, even though this text does do uh, does deal with um, a right thankfulness toward God for all of His benefits, uh, you know what are you going to preach on for this? Be more thankful, right? Right, which is like not the real lesson here, right? Right. The the great sin is not well. They were weren't thankful. They didn't. And then uh, you're just saying, "Forgive us, Lord." Card. You know our shallow thank thankfulness. You know. But, but no, I mean, it really what it does, it, it shows our um, leprosy is a physical manifestation of the corruption, which it hears in all of us. Right. And it, I, I, I put it this way, that uh, one thing about leprosy is it was uh, actually gave, if you had leprosy, it gave you a more clear vision of who you actually are. Right. And... This is what sin does, right? Mm -hmm. It separates you from God. It separates you from your community. It separates you from your friends. And it will eventually kill you, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, defi de defi uh, 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 it disfigures you in old age, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, well, some people do get better looking as they get older, but, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but anyway. <laughs> So there's always hope for some of us. But, um, you know, so these guys are a picture of what sin is, right? It is a great corruption, and it touches not only the soul, but also the body. And Christ, in his great mercy, heals them of that. I mean, this is his, this is his mission, right? Mm -hmm. And by his miracles, uh, he shows what he has come to do. This miracle takes care of the consequence of sin. That is the leprosy, right? But uh, he has come first and foremost, to take away the root of sin. And he does that on the cross. And the, the fact the fact that a, a Samaritan was the one that came back is, what I think, a lesson to churches. You know, one thing you, you focus on, you know, like we, we talked about earlier, the nine who aren't here. Right. But really also, you know, to remember that uh, there are people who have no association with your church. 
who might actually be more receptive to the word of God. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And this is great for Luke's gospel, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke is writing to the Gentiles. Right. Right. And most of us who are sitting in the pews are not converted Jews. Right. You know, we're, this is, you know, and so too. And I think the, the application here is, is that sometimes those who are born into the faith uh, are the ones who ultimately end up rejecting it. It happens a lot, mm-hmm. right? Faith is not genetic, but it is those, but, but, but there are those who you don't think will ever get it. And yet those are the ones who are sometimes your most passionate and ar- ardent believers. Right. You know, and that's by the grace of God. And, and, uh, you know, to go back to the thankfulness thing is, is, uh, it's less about thankfulness, but more really thankfulness is recognizing where your healing came from. Right. Isn't it funny, though, how a lot of evangelical prayers start off with, oh, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you. I just want right. to thank you for, you know. Well, no. How about you just thank him? Don't just thank him. Right. <laughs> right. How about you just, how about you thank him? <laughs> because, so. because it just sounds more sincere that way. Kind of yeah. like, you know, when I was dating my wife way back when. Uh, how many years ago was that? Oh, a long time ago. Our first date was back in 89. So a long, long time ago. The good old days. Yeah. You know. Did you take her I to the arcade? I just want to tell you that I just, you know, think you're kind of pretty. And um... <laughs> <laughs> Julie, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> this has gone down a rabbit hole that I didn't expect. So, <laughs> um, But a realization that the healing actually came from Christ. It wasn't there, hey, we thought of a great plan that'll save us. If we go to him, then we'll get clean without realizing. Um, v- Vicar, how do you, you describe this in your sermon? Well, I talk about true thankfulness uh, brings movement, and it brings movement toward the giver. And so true thankfulness toward God is recognizing God as the giver of all things. And that's first article gifts, the, okay, okay, explain. First article of the creed talks about God as the creator. And therefore, all the things in this life, in this world, are gifts of God. And that would be our possessions, our, our home, our family. Our scotch. Our scotch. <laughs> and um, But it also includes uh, that second article, gift, which is that gift of salvation through Christ. And, um, and the Samaritan being brought to the feet of Jesus and worshiping him there, that is true thankfulness because it goes right to the source and it gives the source the proper praise and worship. And then the fact that Jesus then says, your faith has made you well, shows that not only the Samaritan understand that it was a physical healing. Yeah, so what's the Greek for that, Vicar? The Greek is sozo, which is saved. And so uh, the ESV, unfortunately seems to indicate it he's only referring to Jesus is only referring to the physical healing but with that greek word sozo it's both body and soul yeah and it's not just like um because you can even tell it from the context because it's not that your faith has made you well because what about the other nine right mm-hmm. jesus said they were cleansed right right but that this 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 salvation is deeper right and it includes not just his body but also his soul all right. That uh, normally this would bring us to 
Bullhagen's top 12, but we're going to take a little detour because we got an email we wanted to put at the top of the show. It's true. I think it's from our number one listener. A number one listener. Her name is Lizzie. Thank you for listening, Lizzie. And we would like to share your email today. So, shall I go ahead? By the way, it's a long one, so you can stop me anytime. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Lizzie says, Firstly, I never sent anything about that episode where you talked about Hallmark cards and a long, long, a long, long, long time ago, which was absolutely fantastic. I've always thought it would be fun to come up with a line of cards called, called meta cards, where the creator of the card is sort of self-aware, i.e., thank you for that thing. Since this is generic, thank you card, I, as a creator, have to sort. Oh. Hey, Vicar, you want to read this? I'd love to. <laughs> Here, read it. You're, you're, uh, you can do it more dramatically. Firstly, I never sent anything about that episode where you talked about Hallmark cards a long, long, long time ago, which was absolutely fantastic. I've always thought it would be fun to come up with a line of cards called Meta Cards, where the creator of the card is sort of self-aware, i.e., thank you for that thing, since this is a generic thank you card, I, as the creator, have to be sort of vague. But I'm sure whoever bought this card will be much more specific and grateful in the blank space in which they can write their own message. This is why I don't design the cards. I just sell them. <laughs> anyway, I also really appreciated your episode, Let All, to- All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, as I cannot begin to express my love for good Lutheran hymns. Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence and Built on the Rock are two of my absolute favorites. Mm. They form the images so powerfully so you can see the things they describe. Armies of angels, terrifying creatures, bowing in reverence before God, Christ dwelling among us bodily, etc. These words seethe with imagery and substance. Listening to that sort of music is akin to eating a Thanksgiving feast. When I hear the lyrics to contemporary Christian music, I die a little bit inside. There is no comparison. Also, hymns in minor keys are just fantastic. Minor keys in general, honestly. But I digress. Another reason for this unreasonably long email is that having been a camp counselor over the summer, I heard a lot of great questions from kids. Side note, honestly, some of the questions those children asked were deeper than the Marina Trench, figuratively speaking. One of the more interesting ones pertained to the relationship between the immortal soul and the human mind. I'm paraphrasing, but the gist was, how are the soul and mind reason, instincts, decision-making faculties, etc., connected. Mm. Does the one influence the other, or are they wholly unconnected? Does the soul affect the decisions we make? What is the function of a soul exactly? Does it actually do anything besides receive faith? If you can't tell, I've sort of argued myself in circles over the matter. Yeah, I know that that was a lot more questions than one. It basically all just boils down to the whole how-are-they-connected bit. Sorry about the long email. Actually, no, I'm not. But I feel like apologizing is the proper thing to do, so sorry. Anyway, love the show, etc., etc. Longtime listener and all that. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much for everything you do. How's that for a generic Hallmark card message? Lizzie. Wow. That, 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 uh, that kind of goes right to the top of the list of emails, doesn't it? It, it does. <laughs> no doubt. So, uh, Lizzie? Thank you for uh, being a part of the show today. 
So, Berg, this is, seems like this kind of question is right in your wheelhouse. It is. I mean, this is a, a question that has been debated by philosophers uh, for a long time. Um, Descartes, Rene Descartes, who said, you know, cognito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, uh, thought that the mind, which he uh, has identical to the soul, and the body are two clocks that are perfectly set to the same time. And mm -hmm. so uh, for him, they would have been fundamentally uh, unconnected, but they uh, click at the same at the same time. So, you know, they're how, how do I want to say it? Um, they you know, it, it looks like they're connected, but they're really not. Now, I don't go with Descartes reasoning on this. I think that the soul is the seat of everything that a human being is. Your soul is you. Unlike your hand, right? Your hand is you, but uh, you are not your hand. So if you lose your hand, you're still you're you. still you, right? This also gets to the nature of faith. The mind is a reflection; it is that which reflects on the soul itself. Okay, so you can have souls that are uh, unreflective, like babies, for example, mm -hmm. right? Um, but as uh, rationality begins to develop, you begin to reflect on your own emotions, mm -hmm. uh, what's going uh, on, the information you have learned, and the like. Mm -hmm. Right. So the mind springs from the soul. Now, how are the mind and the brain connected? Right. How is this reflective part of the soul uh, connected to the brain? Right. Well, I would say that it's the same sort of thing as um, when husbands and wives have children. Right? God uses them as instruments or mm. as secondary causes, right? Um, as we know, only God gives babies, right? Mm -hmm. um, but God uses instruments in his own way and in his own time in order to, you know, produce these effects, right? Right. So if the instruments are damaged, like if you have a blunt saw, it's not going to cut as well, right? Right. It's the same thing with the brain, Right. If the brain is injured, mm -hmm. um, you're not going to think as well, right? Because you can't, right? So if you have an aneurysm or a stroke, um, your your mind, the reflective part of your soul, isn't going to mm -hmm. work as well because the instrument has been damaged. So as as we 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 think about that, then let's kind of tease this out because uh, I'm trying to to, to kind of go. I'm trying to think of some practical in uh, some practical. Way, ways that this affects how we think about certain things. For example, mm -hmm. for example, uh, end of life issues. Right. What, what's a phrase you hear sometimes? They're dead because their brain, their brain is dead. Is, yeah, because their brain is dead. So according to your definition, how would this influence how we think about those situations? Um, well, that means you can't starve Terry Schiavo to death because um, she is her soul. Even though the mind isn't working, um, the thing that actually is her, the the, the soul, mm -hmm. um, is what gives her value because that is for which that is what Christ died for. And, right? and not only that is that's what makes her different than an animal. Right, and that's you know that gets off on a different tangent, right? Because the the word for soul in Hebrew nefesh means breath, right? Mm -hmm. Animals have breath, but their breath isn't immortal. Right. You know, human beings have immortal souls. I don't want to talk about animals. That could be another that but, could but, be another. But, but my point is though, larger point is this has right. something to do with the value of human life. Right. And so your soul is not just an accessory, right? 
And that's why a lot of the, well, I'd sell my soul for, or, you know, uh, if you read Faust, where he sells his soul to Mephistopheles, right? Uh, you can't actually barter that way uh, unless you're under the impression that you're selling yourself into slavery because your soul is you. Right. Right. So, and this also explains a lot of things about the body, right? Because as we know, the body uh, continually recycles itself. You're losing skin cells all the time. Mm -hmm. um, most organs in your body actually replace themselves over time, right? Mm -hmm. How are you you? Well, the continuity there is actually the soul. So because that is the thing that stays the same because it is actually you. Now, some some theologians have tried to to I think probably strain, struggling with the same question that Lizzie has, but they, but they try to answer it with a there's a dichotomy and trichotomy of the human, where it's body soul body soul and spirit. Right. How how would you respond to that? Um. Usually, if I remember right, um, the body soul and spirit, um, would be like Aristotle's threefold part of the soul. So you have the vegetative parts of the soul. Mm-hmm right? The, the things that keep you alive, right? Mm -hmm. The vegetative soul. And then you have kind of the middle part, right? Which would be like your emotions. And then you have the higher part, the spirit, which is pure rationality, mm -hmm. right? The Bible sometimes talks like this, right? Um, I think it's just, you know, when you use soul and spirit together, it's really the same thing, you know? Some people will argue that it's the Holy Spirit, but I'm not convinced. So, all right. Well, Lizzie, does that answer your question? If not, you know, I don't know if my my name email us back is, because if know. there's something we're missing, because I want to know, I'm interested to know as, as you think about this, um, what got you this place where you really wrestled with it? What what are some of the implications of this and understanding that really kind of grabs at you, Lizzie? What is it that you know, there's. A, I think there's a more interesting dialogue there for us to be had, uh, for us to have when it comes to this this discussion. Indeed, like you said, uh, if Lizzie has questions, or really if any any listeners have questions, go ahead and get a hold of us. How can they get a hold of us, Vicar? Yeah, how can they get a hold of us, Vicar? They can find us on Facebook at Clerical Errors, on Twitter at Clerical Errors. At me, bro. That's right. <laughs> ClericalErrors.org, or they can email us at feedback at clericalerrors.org. And, and thank you, Lizzie, our listener, for not being offended at uh, the gender normative language of at me, bro. <laughs> Indeed. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for Bullhagen's Top 12, which is actually Part 12. Part 12? <laughs> uh, part 2 of, um, of uh, last week's, which was um, the top which is a top 12. <laughs> you tell him what it was, Perk. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm uh, tired tonight, you're, man. You're talk <laughs> you were talking, last time you had six um, verses from the King James, the only authorized version, which were pretty darn epic. Right. And, and we compared it to uh, a different translation. Which what, what is this thing called? It is the Children's... The International Children's Bible. N... CV. It sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> the new century version. So, you know. <laughs> All right. Because this isn't just for U.S. Americans. Hey, did Peter children. play the intro? Yeah, why don't you do that? <laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time. 
for Bullhagen's Top 12. <laughs> All right. I'm digging this music, man. Oh. It's pretty rad. This is particularly apropos for me tonight. <laughs> All right. So, so um, we are at number six, right? Yes. So, uh, at number six, uh, I thought I'd start off with one that would really bother Berg because that's one of my main things is to get Berg going. All right? It doesn't take much these days. All right. Number six. First Corinthians 11, uh, verses uh, 23 to 26. Vicar, could you uh, please read that? The teaching that I gave you is the same teaching that I received from the Lord. On the night when Jesus was handed over to be killed, he took bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke the bread and said, This is my body, it is for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after they ate, Jesus took the cup. He said, This cup shows the new agreement from God to his people. Boo! (laughs) This new agreement begins with the blood of my death. When you drink this, do it to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show others about the Lord's death until he comes. What do you think about that translation, Bird? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I would rather have Rico as quarterback. (laughs) Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico, man. (laughs) Do you know what that's from? I do not. Okay. Movie night. Right. Movie night. Napoleon Dynamite. You haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite? That probably came out before you were it's born. Been a long time. Okay. So I have to read my version. Please. All right. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with the version that Vicar read was the agreement. Right? right, that word diatheke in the Greek can mean covenant, or it can mean testament. Um, and really, here it's we, it should be testament, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is Jesus' last will and testament. Right, this is where he gives over the goods. Right, we inherit because he dies. This is right. what Hebrews says, and to take that away from us is ungodly. Right, number five, Isaiah sixty-one. Verses 1 to 7. The Lord God has put his spirit in me. This is because he has appointed me to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort those whose hearts are broken. He has sent me to tell the captives they are free. He has sent me to tell the prisoners that they are released. He has sent me to announce the time when the Lord will show his kindness and the time when our God will punish evil people. He has sent me to comfort all those who are sad. He has sent me to the souring people of Jerusalem. I will give them a crown to replace their ashes. I will give them the oil of gladness to replace their sorrow. 
I will give them clothes of praise to replace their spirit of sadness. Then they will be called trees of goodness. They will be like trees planted by the Lord and will show his greatness. They will rebuild the old ruins. They will build up the places destroyed long ago. They will repair the ruined cities that were destroyed for so long. My people, foreigners will come to tend your sheep. People from other countries will tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named the servants of our God. You will have riches from all the nations on earth, and you will take pride in them. Instead of being ashamed, you will receive twice as much wealth. Instead of being disgraced, you will be happy because of what you receive. You will receive a double share of the land, so your happiness will continue forever. All right. What do you think of that that translation, Berg? I mean, it was pretty wooden, but... Right. I, there are parts of it that were pretty good. Yeah, I mean... It wasn't... It's understandable. I mean, it's not like wicked like the last one. Right. Right. So... From the King James. The Spirit of the Lord, Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord, and men shall call you ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame shall have double, and your confusion they shall receive in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. See, and that's the thing. Like, the two texts say the same thing. Yeah, Essentially, the one, but, one, but, but one, the other like paints such a, a better picture of it, right? You know what I mean, it's it's poetic. It's it is. It, it takes the same words and makes it makes it beautiful. One the one the one one thing that I noticed that was different was, um, uh, they might be called trees of righteousness. And what did they? You probably don't remember. I think it was trees, trees of the Lord, right? Trees what? of goodness. Trees of goodness. Right. Okay, that's a little different. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Mm. So, all right. Number four, Luke two, uh, twenty-seven through thirty-two. The Spirit led Simeon to the temple. Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to do what the law said they must do. Then Simeon took the baby in his arms and thanked God. Now, Lord. You can let me, your servant, die in peace as you said. I have seen your salvation with my own eyes. You prepared him before all people. He is a light for the non-Jewish people to see. <laughs> he will bring honor to your people, the Israelites. This, that, well, one thing I, I noticed think... is this translation loves the word sad. Yeah, this translation is sad. <laughs> all right, we want to hear this version? Yeah. All right, here Please. we go. 
And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. So, Right, the nuke diminis, which we sing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, which is, uh, yeah, way more poetic. Um, you, I saw you, you busy, busily looking something up, Berg. What were you looking up? Yeah, okay, so in the Greek, you know, so his translation said, you know, now you can let me die, basically, mm-hmm. right? And this one says, now release, apolues, right? Mm-hmm. Release the servant of yours, despota, right? Um, master, right? right? Um, and so even there, right, it's not just die. Um, for the Christian, for the one who believes in Jesus, um, this life, uh, to, to die is a departure in peace, right? A release. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't just a euphemism, right? Like they passed away, blah, blah, blah. That is, right. That's gross. Right. You should never say that to anybody, right? Um, it should be that they fell asleep in Jesus or that they have gone to be with their fathers right. or that they have been, th- that their departure is one of peace, that they've been released, um, and this is a good point because we we deal with this a lot of time with the elderly where where they've outlived so many people mm-hmm. and they sometimes wonder why they're still around. Absolutely. And they you sometimes have to direct them from from I want to I'm ready to die anytime to you know thy kingdom come you know right you may I be released and, and thy will be done right right and that's the thing I, this is something that every Christian should rejoice in singing that. I'm ready to die because I've seen Jesus, because I've received him. And that's how you should feel every time you leave church. Mm-hmm. That even if you go out and get hit by a bus, you're right. good, right? Right. Uh, bus, not so much, maybe. but uh, Yeah, that was just an example. <laughs> it's one right. I use often. So what I'm liking about this, though, is, uh, you know, with each of these, you know, maybe the first one wasn't so random, but... I picked some of one of the ones that I thought I enjoyed from the King James, right. and uh, but with each one, we're actually noticing there is, and if you listen to it, a theological difference between the translations. Right. We, it really affects meaning. Yeah, and it, how you understand it. It's not just that it's poetic, but it's uh, it's actually tr- it's actually more true. You know, it actually teaches you better what what God is trying to say to you. And that's a wonderful thing. That's why translations do matter. And you guys should talk to your pastor about translations of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because you might, when you read something that's not right, that's actually misguided, um, it actually leads you away from what God is actually trying to tell you. So, All right. Uh, I thought I couldn't do this without the old standby, Psalm 23. Finally, are you going to read it in old English? <laughs> now, okay, okay, I have to say this. All right. Just because I'm a nerd, okay? I wasn't going to say that. So. I would never say that of you. New King James is not old English, and it's not Middle English. It is modern English, okay? Middle English and old English sound very, very, very different, okay? So that's just a pet peeve I have. Okay. So continue on. 
<laughs> okay. One more word about this. So, like, so, so why is that such a big deal? Because Old English is actually Anglo-Saxon. That sound that is basically unintelligible. Right. You wouldn't be able to understand it. And Middle English would be like Chaucer, where um, you hear like the stresses are wrong, uh, the vowels are wrong. You can barely read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Languages change every thousand years, to where after a thousand years you really can't understand what the person you know. So at at the beginning of the the millennium, those people couldn't understand the people at the end of it because that's right. how much languages shift and change okay and i think we're at a huge time where language is changing really quickly right now yeah because yeah because our society is the worst and western (laughs) civ is you know it's one of those desolate places and waste cities that you read about earlier so all right but anyway hey man you're just upsetting spaghetti that i can eat better than you can (laughs) (laughs) what I don't even. He said, "You're just so upsetty spaghetti that you can't yeet like he can." Did I say what, that right? What's yeet? Yep. Yeah. What, what is what yeet? Is, what is yeet? Well, wait, that's a good question. Hey, Vicar. Hey, Vicar. What's what's yeet? Taking spoonfuls of yeast. That's my guess. <laughs> I've never heard of the term. Yeah. You don't know yeet either, Vicar. No, I apparently, just, apparently not. You're no. just on the cutting edge, Peter. I, 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 I am totally not. You guys are all just a bunch of old people, out of the loop people. Yeah. How do you spell it? Uh, how do you spell it? Y e e t. Y e e t. All right, listeners, this is your, this is your goal for the for next week. Email I can, us. I can tell you. <laughs> no, I, I can tell you the opposite of yeet if you want. Okay, what's the opposite of yeet? Yort. Yoink. 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 You mean like from uh, Animaniacs or whatever? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, don't hate on Peter. He doesn't write the language. That, yeah, that's true. Uh, did you find For, it, Can Vicar? I challenge you next week to uh, to have a Bible verse to read in Old English? I can do that. I, well, I can try, so... I would love Is there that. do they have a translation of old English? Stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of old English stuff. Um and and if I can't do it, I can um uh, I can have uh I can find a recording of Psalm 23 in old English. Okay. So All right. If you find anything yet, yet Vicar, on Yeet. So what's Yeet? Uh according to dictionary.com, Yeet is an exclamation of excitement, approval, surprise, or all-around energy often issued when doing a dance move or throwing something. That does not seem to fit the context of what yeah, Peter said. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> it's, yeet is a multifaceted word, really. <laughs> it's got a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you know. He's, he's talking, he's talking, uh, one of the versions, the, uh, expletive, I'm looking for the verb here. To yeet is to throw something with force or gusto, but not necessarily with accuracy. Oh. Accuracy is Kobe. Accuracy is Kobe. So, like. Like Kobe Bryant? Yeah. Or? Like you throw yeah, something like accurately, Bryant. you're like Kobe. If, yeah. If you're shooting a shot or, you know, if you're throwing a piece of paper into the wastebasket, you yell Kobe because you're, you're going for accuracy. But if you're. So, so like, like. So, like. So, yeet is the same as Kirk Cousins? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like you say Kobe when you're accurate, and then you say Kirk Cousins when you're, you're not yeeting, and it's the opposite of yeet. No, 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 no. I mean, Kirk Cousins, no, Kobe, yeet. and yeet. Okay. So yeet, I, I you're still really enthusiastic, but you're just not. Yeah, accurate. Kirk Cousins is the uh, quarterback right, for the it's... the uh, Vikings. Oh, okay. <laughs> He yeah, was making yeet, a, yeet a joke. Is yeet for power, Kobe for accuracy. So if you're just like throwing something as hard as you can with no care in the world as to where it lands, you're yeeting. Yeah, so it's like yeet is like Wreck-It Ralph. Right. Nice. All right, so so for example. I'm sorry, young listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's the closest thing I've got to, uh, you know. I shouldn't have brought this up. I tried to make a one-off joke. <laughs> yeah. That was a yoink. <laughs> well, you know what they say. The Lord yeeteth, the Lord yoinketh away. <laughs> that that is, is uh, from the uh, the new Children's International version. That's about right. <laughs> All right, so we should get back to this. Yes. <laughs> Number three, Psalm 22. This was a suggestion from you, Berg. What verses... Oh, we never read 23, did we? No. Oh, I'm sorry. We just yeeted on the show. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. You dabbed on the show. That's different. That's okay. Okay. We'll take your word for it. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He gives me rest in green pastures. He leads me in calm waters. He gives me new strength for the good of his name. He leads me on paths that are right. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your walking stick comfort me. (laughs) (laughs) You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. You pour oil on my head. You give me more than I can hold. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. All right. What, what st- struck at you uh, with that version? Well, the deep, dark valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The first thing, you know, like, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, I have everything I need. Okay. Well, you know, the the negative is better, right? Like, I will lack for nothing. Right. You know, um, the deep, dark valley isn't a good thing. Because um, it, it, it wants to avoid using the word death, it seems like. Right. And, you know, like, uh, he anoints my head with oil, right? And or Rather, he pours oil on my head or something. Right, he pours oil on my head. And, <laughs> that just sounds irresponsible. Right, right. And, and, then, and, then the next, and then the next verse is like, I have everything I need. It's like, okay, stop pouring oil yeah. on my head. <laughs> so. I can use some acne medication now. <laughs> But you're super smooth, man. Right. Well, I just, yeah, it's just like, oh, I take so comfort in the fact that he dumps oil on my head. <laughs> it's like a Gatorade deal. So what would be the difference of pouring oil on your head and being anointed? Um, Anointing has... It's, uh, what what is it, yeeting and cobying. Right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, anointing is cobying and, and, you know... Pouring on your pour, head pouring, is yeeting. <laughs> dumping on your head is yeeting. Okay. How is that, Peter? I, I'm... I'm pretty impressed. You have captured the essence of Yeet as well as Kobe. Good job. All right. See, we're happen with it. We're getting with it. All right. So I will read my version. 
Maybe this should be a weekly segment. I try and teach you guys new English. <laughs> Actually, that would that be would a be bad cool. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Psalm 23 in the King James. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Way better. Way better. Way yeah. better. Yeah. So. Very, very accurate, right? Yep. Very poetic. Very beautiful. Number two. And this is one I've suggested, and you'll super like it, and by super like it, I mean it's the worst. <laughs> Okay, what verses? Uh, Psalm 22, verses 16 through 18. All right. Evil men have surrounded me. Like dogs, they have trapped me. They have bitten my arms and legs. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my clothes among them, and they threw lots for my clothing. All right. Would you like to, people might recognize this. Where might they recognize this? This is the psalm from the end of Monday, Thursday, where we strip the altar. Mm-hmm. This is the psalm we chant, and this is a psalm about Jesus. Okay? So, listen to those words, right? Those terrible words the vicar just read, and listen to the good words All right. from Pastor Bullhagen. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. All right. Did you see the difference? The difference is they have bitten my arms and legs in this one. They have pierced my hands and feet in the other one. If this is a psalm about Christ... (laughs) This, I look at what this thing did. <laughs> like, this is a clear, clear, clear prophecy of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And they ruin it because they're the worst. Yeah. You know what I think it was? I think one of the translators was probably a mailman. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what he, he probably thought he was being crucified every day. By yeah, being, the, the dogs were you nipping know. at his hands and his, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and by this, you know, I chant this while they they strip the altar on Monday Thursday. Mm-hmm. I should really, you know, I do the ESV. I should maybe this year I'm going to try Vicar remind me, okay, to do that. Maybe do the King James for that chanting. Right, and there's actually a Gregorian chant that's just very beautiful and touching. But that's the thing, guys. Translations matter because this kind of nonsense takes away from the comfort that we receive. That you know, nine hundred years. Before Christ was born, David had already predicted this. Right. Because he was in the Spirit. This is what the Old Testament saints believed in. And how do you know that this is a direct prophecy? Because Jesus <laughs> quotes it on the cross. 
Oh, okay. and it's used all over the passion narratives, right? Uh, yeah. He he. They divided my my garments among them, right? I mean, oh, list, I know the you're listener like, understand. I knew the answer when I asked that question. Yeah, I know he was setting up. You know, kind of like but, last 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 time, last episode when when uh, I asked about the 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 deaf mute, and I asked, well, how come Jesus didn't just tell him? Right. <laughs> So. Yeah, sometimes we throw up, uh, you know, hardballs and right. you know, softballs. Yeah, right? Not yeah. Balls. Sometimes we eat when we should Kobe. Right, right. <laughs> All right. And number one, Luke one verses forty six through fifty five. Then Mary said, "My soul praises the Lord. My heart is happy because God is my Savior." What? I am not important. But God has shown his care for me, his servant girl. Boo. From now on, all people will say that I am blessed because the powerful one has done great (laughs) things for me. His name is holy. God will always give mercy to those who worship him. God's arm. (laughs) You're you're wrong, Vicar. That's just not true. (laughs) God's arm is strong. He scatters the people who are proud and think great things about themselves. God brings down rulers from their thrones, and he raises up the humble. God fills the hungry with good things, and he sends the rich away with nothing. God has helped his people Israel who serve him. He gave them his mercy. God has done what he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his children forever. Yeah, boy, that takes some liberty, doesn't it? So, is there anything you're particularly thinking uh, about? It's. Uh, you know that actually we should add that to the dictionary uh, somehow. Make make Berg's uh, something. I mean, I'd be glad to do it, but how do you spell that? I don't. <laughs> I uh, I don't even like. I don't you don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I mean. Well, he uses happy. Me... He likes happy and sad. I am not important. In verse 48. What in the world? <laughs> Come on. Like, ah. Uh, that, that, that's, yeah. Obviously, she's just... important. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then. What was the one that. that oh, uh... The. Uh... Oh, where was it? God will always give mercy to those who worship him. <laughs> what in the world? Okay, let's just read the good one cuz I don't even like I don't even want to. Okay. All right. You don't even want to dignify that translation. Ah. All right. And Mary said, "My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden." For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done this, done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, 
and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hopen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Yeah, that's a big difference, right? That he will have mercy on them that fear him. That's faith. Right, that's faith, right? That's not the same thing as worship. Right. I mean, unless you're talking about true worship, but that's not what, you know, it's not what it actually says. Right. So this is this is the thing, guys. If you're looking for a translation, find New King James, King James, ESV, uh, the Evangelical Heritage Bible, those kind of things. NASB. It makes a difference. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And and with with a lot of these, I really did pick out the ones that I liked in King James, irrespective of what the other one was going to say. But we saw with every single one, there's big a, there's theological a huge, changes right. in each passage. So please, 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 you know, find a you know, uh, buy buy Bibles responsibly, you know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So may your translations be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your may your translations be you know for, formal and not uh, dynamic. Kobe. Yeah, may may they be Kobe and not Yeet. <laughs> All right, uh, Vicar had something he wanted. Did you have something there too? Well, Pastor Berg, um, the preface for this Bible defends the translation. Uh, in this way, and I'd just like to get your response to this. It says that this is the first translation of the Holy Scriptures prepared specifically for children. Until now, children have had to learn God's truths either from Bible storybooks or adult language Bibles. Many words and concepts readily understood by adults may leave children mystified or even with false impressions. Yet God intended for everyone to be able to understand his word. Earliest scriptures were in Hebrew, ideally suited for a barely literate society because of its economy of words, acrostic literary form, and poetic parallelism. The New Testament was first written in the simple Greek of everyday language, of everyday life, not in the Latin of Roman courts or the classical Greek of the academies. Even Jesus, the master teacher, taught spiritual principles by comparing them to such familiar terms as pearls, seeds, rocks, trees, and sheep. It is for this same purpose of making the scriptures intelligible, even to children, that this translation was created. Kyle, I, you know, I hate everything about what you just said, and especially that last part, which is just plain wrong, right? The parables were given not to make the Bible intelligible, but to actually hide spiritual truths from the people. Right. That is what Jesus says, right? And not only that, but... Who you know? Why look down on children? Why give them false theological concepts that then you have to unteach later? And another thing too, there there is a swap there towards the beginning where it talks about you want to use language that uh, the children might know. But here's part of education: don't you want to teach the children the language of the Bible? Yeah, because like I yeah, I mean especially like you got you've got a little baby, don't you? You know, do you just use the words that the baby knows? <laughs> we won't get very far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you do? You teach the baby the words they don't know. Exactly. That's the whole point. <laughs> right. I mean, 
It's stupid. Why look down on children? They are not stupid. You they know, actually you know, know better than you do. Do you know that? That's why. Why uh, when the Germans came over here, what did they do? What language did they teach? German. Because it was the language of the the Bible. It was a theological language that they spoke, and they felt as though if they lost a German, they would learn, lose some of their theology. And I think they did. Ultimately, when we switched over to English. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of theology was lost, and we're finally starting to get some of it back, uh, especially with the translations uh, that CPH is putting out, Concordia Publishing House, for those of you who don't know the acronym. Uh, look at their stuff. They've got a lot of good stuff coming out, stuff from Johann Gerhard. Uh, his book, On the Law, is fantastic. So, All right. So, so uh, that is our top 12 list, <laughs> at least half of it. All right, that brings us to news that bothers Berg. There's fake news, there's real news, then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right, I think we picked one uh, just for Vicar's sake because we love our Minnesota news. <laughs> <laughs> the land of the frozen chosen. All right, this is from the... Uh, a uh, uh, publication called the Christian Post. I've never read anything on that. Okay, I've right. heard of like the Christian Observer, right? Or the what is it? The Christian Science Monitor, mm -hmm. but I haven't heard of this one. So uh, pastors faced questions after selling church property and buying million dollar lake a million dollar lakefront home. What? <laughs> what? This is uh, from uh, a place called Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I've Are got you... I've got some family that lives there. Okay, please... they they pastors. No, <laughs> please please continue. I what? Okay, so husband and wife team from Eden Prairie are now facing tough questions after sell selling their longtime church to developers and splurging on a million dollar luxury lakefront home while telling their members that God now wants them to worship in micro churches held in their homes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course God said that. I mean, you know, I, you know, you could probably fit like a hundred people in that lake, right. you know, that lakefront home. Right. I'm wondering why God didn't tell them to live in a micro home. Hey, could Brian's me, do you know that I have this thing I want to do? All right. Okay. This is not re anywhere related to this story, okay? Okay, I want you to think about this. This could be our next business opportunity at Clerical Airs Podcast. You want to hear it? I, I do. I really do. What's all the rage right now are these little tiny homes, right? Okay. Where they t take, uh, you know, the, the home the size of a, like a, what is it? Uh, like a size of a... Like a hamster cage. Right. It's like the size of a closet, and they make, okay, this is our kitchen nook. Uh, this is our bathroom, which is trying to imagine. Anyways, you know, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, right. And this is our bedroom, and it's all within like ten feet by twelve feet, right? Hope there's good ventilation. Right. This is my idea. Okay. Okay. All right. What you do is, is you make a regular size home, with me. Okay. Maybe you know fifteen hundred square feet. Right? Okay. And you make it a tiny mansion. <laughs> Think about that. You could have like a, a ten Man, bedroom home. We could be on HGTV. Home. Yeah, and we could be like, yeah, you could have like, you a, know, let's, you know, let's, uh, you let's, have a weight room. You could have a sauna. You could have 
five bedrooms, four baths. You could have, you know, <laughs> servants' quarters. You could imagine that. You could a make saloon? a I mean, mansion. Yeah, yeah, With, like hey, a home theater. Let's pitch this to HGTV. Tiny mansions, right? Why don't they do this? Tell me, this is not an amazing idea. We could do this, seriously. Just take a house and make it, partition it off. Mm-hmm. Like they did in Victorian times. Right. You know? Right. I think we have a remodeling idea for the Vicar House. Oh. This could be like this could be like the, the startup. Right. We you have you have a you have a good sized garage. We can make it so you can fit like twelve smart cars in that thing. As long as I can still fit in my bed. Right? If you can guarantee that I'll be all right. <laughs> you might have to be vertical, but it'll work. <laughs> so so if anybody I, I think this is a great idea. I think we should pitch this. I right. mean, you know, we need a way to fund Victor's microphone. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. might be the way to do it. I think, and, you know, if in the vein of uh, the pastor of the Resurrection Life Church and Ministry Center in Eden Prairie, maybe someone wants us to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't even, I can't even joke about that. I mean, come on. What <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I'm not, you know, but that's the thing. This is the problem with so-called micro churches: is that it's an, it's turning what is descriptive in Acts into something that's prescriptive. Mm-hmm. It, it takes away from um, us assembling together as Christians, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately, it's schismatic and divisive. Right, and for them, it's downright greedy. It's I mean, greedy. it's it's not like they have to. You know, it's not like their church can't support a pastor. Right. And he's going to go by lakefront property. It's in, a, yeah, in a, maybe, Vicar, you know this area. It's in Wrights Lake in Waconia. Is that it's the area? Yeah, probably don't know. Well, any lake house in Minnesota is going to be pretty nice. So, yeah, they, they've got it made. And uh, we'll see how their micro church works out. I mean, Waconia is a rich area too. I mean, but you know, Jesus. Yeah, them well, to isn't have that it. where they have vibranium and all that stuff? I think. I think. I, vibranium, <laughs> I'm confused. Vibranium is from. <laughs> is that what Captain America's shield is made out of? What am I vibranium? thinking? <laughs> Unobtainium, maybe. Yeah, where they have the secret community. <laughs> oh, what is it? The Black Panther. Where is he from? <laughs> He's from Wakanda, man. Oh! Oh, well. <laughs> you tried, but, you know. I tried. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We really appreciate all the listeners out there. That's right. So. Thank you, Lindsay. Lizzie, we Lin- dedicate not- this show to you. <laughs> Lizzie? Lizzie? Right. just came out wrong. <laughs> I'm Berg. I'm Bullhagen. And let your translations be formal. Yes, Ed Kobe. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.